Welcome to the Spinster Life Podcast. I am here today with Shivani Desai. She is the host of Hot and Heavy, the Elaine Bennis Podcast. She is also an actor and a writer, and I am so glad that she could join us today to talk about one of the most interesting spinsters on TV, Elaine Bennis from Seinfeld. Thank you so much for being here, Shivani. Oh, I'm so excited to be here, Amy. Thanks for having me. Oh, you are so welcome. Yeah, so why a podcast? And why... Elaine. I'm sure like me, you watched a lot of TV growing up. So why of all of the female characters on TV, Elaine? I got into podcasts a few years ago. And I was like, I didn't even know where to start because there's, I don't know if you know this, Amy, like a billion podcasts out there. Um, Really? uh, What? (laughs) I just blew your mind. You did. It's kind of oversaturated. But at any rate, so just beyond starting with the NPR show Serial, which everyone loved, um, I was like, well, let me just look up stuff that I like, you know, my interests. And Seinfeld has just been an interest since the early 90s. I mean, I started watching it almost from the beginning since I was a tween. And so I, I happened upon this podcast called Seincast. And it was like a rewatch podcast, really thorough, like these two guys hosted it. And so I was listening to it, totally enjoying it. And I found myself getting frustrated sometimes that they didn't really dive so much into the Elaine storylines and like what Elaine brought to it. You know, of course, they recognized everything, but they were covering the whole show. So it was to me, I was like, man, I would first of all love a female perspective because a lot of times when they were talking about an episode, I'm going, well, because well, Elaine did that because this is what women do. You know, like in my head, I'm, I was kind of <laughs> saying, God, I have a lot to say about this. And yes, to to answer what you said, yes, I watched a lot of TV growing up. And It wasn't until way later in my life that I realized, first of all, just why I loved Elaine. And second of all, like how much she influenced me in my own pursuits with comedy and just my style and what I responded to with comedy. And I I knew she made me laugh when I was young. But as as time went on, I really recognized how different she was from a lot of other characters I had grown up watching. And listening to the Signcast podcast and then just really diving into, gosh, why did I love that character so much? It just, you know, there was like a light bulb moment where I was like, well, it's because she didn't fit into the archetypes we were used to seeing. You know, she wasn't necessarily the sexy one. She wasn't the buzzkill. She wasn't the one that was just there to be funny, but not attractive, kind of that that whole... No, she so- wasn't the mom rolling her eyes at her schlubby <sighs> husband. She wasn't the like, that weird woman at the office. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just... And, and then also, and I did recognize this at the time. I remember, I remember being in high school and talking to maybe like the other two kids in my high school who actually watched Seinfeld, like Friday mornings, we'd have a little rundown of the episode the night before. <laughs> and they were both guys. But it was just that I remember them saying, and this is mid 90s, where it's like, the women most of the time in those sitcoms were meant to be eye candy or like you said, like a mom character or something, nothing that was front and center in a good way. So I remember just having conversations with them be like, oh my God, like, like, Elaine's really funny. <laughs> I was like, ah, yeah, because women can be freaking funny, you know? Right. Yeah. So for Yeah, me, that Christopher Hitchens ethos of like, women can't be funny oh God, or women yeah. aren't funny. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. Don't even get me started. Um, <laughs> but for sure. So as I was exploring my own pursuits in comedy, I remember an acting coach telling me, you know, you don't want to imitate your influences, but like really, really nail down who they are so that you can 
draw from that. And it was just like, oh my gosh, Julia Louis-Dreyfus, not only as Elaine, but in Veep, in her other, everything she does, there's just this like command she has of the material every time. And so, yeah, I just, I was like, this would be super niche to do, but a podcast just diving into the Elaine character and having that female perspective, but also the effect she might have had on, or she definitely had on the landscape of female characters after we saw Elaine for nine years and what that meant. And also writer's rooms, like everything about it. Like I I didn't have this all planned before I started it, but as I've been digging into every episode, doing research for it, it's been really interesting to see what Julia Louis-Dreyfus had to endure. I mean, she she loved every second of doing Seinfeld. She's very clear about that. But, you know, the stuff she had to endure being, first of all, the only female in the principal cast, you know, being in a show that's predominantly written by men. I cover the Elaine stuff. I cover what, you know, the nitty gritty, the little specifics, what I like about her performance, what she contributes to the plot line. But also, I also try to explore if if it calls for it, like what what this meant at the time and why why that was important and how now yeah. it's so normal, but this wasn't normal back then and how groundbreaking right. it, it was, especially with Elaine and her character. Yes. And you have done so much research about what it was like in the writer's room. Elaine was being written by men and the notes that they got to write her. Yeah. Can you talk a little bit about what you've learned about the whole, the writing process and what Julia Louis-Dreyfus brought to it yeah. and how that developed? Well, it was so interesting. She, first of all, when she auditioned for the show, she just knew right away just the, the sides she had for her audition. She was like, wow, this is totally different than anything I've ever read. Everything she had read to that point was that typical sitcom thing, like set up, set up punchline, set up, set up a punchline. She She's very you know, specific about how, when she read that and she went in for the audition, she was like, this is awesome, but this will never fly. Like this will never happen. Watching the show as I am for the podcast, you know, uh, from the beginning, you can see them trying to figure out who Elaine is. And so my favorite story about like an early, early, I think it was, I think it was probably season two was this story um, from a book called Seinfeldia, which is a really great book. And it was, it talked about how Julie Louis-Dreyfus went directly to Larry and Jerry and was like, give me funnier shit. I can do funnier stuff. Like, please, you're not giving me enough. I'm getting screen time, but there's nothing substantial here. And I just thought that was so badass. Like she knew her worth, right? And she knew what she was capable of. And she told them, you need to give me more stuff. Like I can do more than this. And and it is so, it's so um, apparent in the beginning, they were very careful about her. They were giving her sort of the expected female responses. She was still a single woman living in the city, Jerry's ex-girlfriend, but there were the moments of her being like uh, the really sensitive one or the one that had to point out why this isn't good, guys, or that kind of those kinds of reactions. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Like she has she's sort of an activist in the first couple of of seasons. Like she she has a a, like a problem with someone wearing a fur coat. And there's some other like social issues that she's really concerned about. And I feel like that just disappears in the later seasons. It does. It does. But yeah, you're right. And, And even just little things like there's an earlier episode where Jerry and George want the same apartment. And she she's going to get either one of their apartments, whoever takes the apartment, she's going to get their other apartment. And it's like, I can look at it through the lens of what Elaine becomes and then what like 
she is in these early episodes, there's a moment where they're trying to figure out their, what to do. And I, 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 this just stands out to me where they're like, Elaine, why don't you tell us? And she's just like, I better... I'm going to stay out of it. And I'm like, what? Like, yeah, right. Not having an opinion, not having, it was just, she was almost right. Like conflict avoidant. And that's not who she was in the later seasons. Right. So, so for me, her journey, I think, and the writer's journey was very much combined almost like she, she helped inform what the writer's felt comfortable giving her. And then also they got direction. I think after the, after Larry David heard what she had to say, saying like, give me better stuff. He went to the writers because it it was, they were, they were saying like, we don't know the female perspective that it was just in their head. Like we have to write from that perspective as dudes. And so. Right. And women are mysterious. What (laughs) what the heck makes them tick? Yeah. Right. Which is funny because they, they, they bring that out in the actual the pilot episode when Jerry's doing the pilot for NBC within the show. There's a whole scene where he, Elaine calls it out. She's like, I'm not even in this thing. And he's like, well, we didn't know how to write for a woman. So it's actually like they're very, <laughs> they were very self-aware. But anyway, Larry David gave the direction to the writer's room. Like, hey, don't think of her as a woman. Just write her as a guy. And it, that sort of opened up. I know. I know. Yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. not it's not great, but but what came out of it was great. So I guess it's a <laughs> it, a product of the times. And it was that was the way it had to be translated at that moment. We're talking 1991 and these male dominated kind of I mean they had the obviously the Jerry and the George characters really fleshed out and they knew that they wanted to make Elaine a predominant part of it but uh, to break through that wall of trepidation I think that they were feeling about like oh we got to make sure we're representing a woman's point of view very well it's like well no she can do whatever like it's fine she's just she's an equal to these men and Julia will bring whatever she needs to bring. She'll bring the femininity to it. I think at that time, there was such a perception of like, well, if we write if we write a woman like a man, is that going to make her masculine or is that going to make her um, not attractive or whatever? But there are quotes from Jerry Seinfeld where, she, where he talks about the gift of having Julia Louis-Dreyfus as that character because he was like, we could give her anything. And she just she would bring exactly what we needed because we didn't want Elaine to have a masculine energy per se. We just wanted it to be this character that was strong. And she brought her femininity to it because there's nothing wrong with being feminine either. You know, she blurred those lines so well. And so, yeah, that to me was so interesting that the breakthrough had to be like, okay, guys, write her like a guy. And don't worry about a gender kind of point of view because she's capable of bringing whatever needs to be brought um, Yeah, you know, later. Just like trusting the performers, trusting yeah. the performance, trusting her with the material. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But and it's did a, it, and it And it paid off. It had paid off. And I, I just love the like her self-advocating, right? And going in there and being like, I can do more. And I just don't think that's something in all professions women feel comfortable doing. You just think, oh, I don't want to sound so I should be thankful to have this job. I don't want to ruffle ruffle any feathers. Thankfully, we're breaking through a lot of that. But um, yeah, just I just I when I read that, I was like, holy shit, I knew there was a reason I fucking love her because as an actress and the character, obviously, but as an actress, I just feel like 
Julie Louis-Dreyfus is just this powerhouse. And I think it definitely comes out in the character of Elaine. She's not Elaine, you know, but she's she's um, the the strength she brought to Elaine and this sort of no nonsense, like acerbic um, <laughs> tone to the that eventually, you know, happened as I think everyone was finding their footing with the character. It was just yeah. gold. Yeah, I mean, and they did like they had a long period of adjustment where they were trying to find out what what the show even was. I yeah. mean, what uh, Kramer? Yeah, we had a different name. Yeah, it was supposed to be Cosmo. Or no, I'm sorry, it was supposed to be Kessler. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, it was there was a bunch of things, and I I do address it every now and then with the Kramer character because those were Kramer and Elaine were the two characters that were insert, uh, fleshed out from the beginning, and. Uh, you know, even with Kramer, yeah, there were just like odd things in the beginning that uh, that just seem really foreign after you see, you know, what the characters become in the later seasons. But um, but yeah, just like Elaine, it was like they they took in what Michael Richards could do and kind of they all figured it out together. So um, which I think is such a great creative process. And I don't know if that happens. I don't I don't know if networks certainly don't give that much amount of time to let a let a show like grow and about like there's there's also a lot no. of yeah you know that just doesn't not anymore now. not anymore it's it has to be like an established intellectual property or it has to be people who are established so established in their career already that yeah. they feel comfortable just turning the reins over to them yeah i mean the stories about how close they were to getting um you know canceled uh, numerous times and it was just like one or two people at the network going like please give this show a chance. It is so different. It is so interesting. Um, and yeah, I, I think, you know, there's similar things about The Office that are the same way because that, you know, that documentary style was completely new um, yeah. for network television. So it was like, that, that I, I, you know, again, I'm just such a nerd with everything like TV shows and stuff. So I was, I've been listening to podcasts about The Office and it, there's a lot of parallels between The Office and Seinfeld because of just the nature of how different it was and just how network executives are like, what is this? You know, <laughs> and no, yeah. we don't want to give it a chance, you know. So I think um, with Seinfeld, especially, it's just kind of it's kind of a miracle that it it did. It was allowed to sort of find its footing for like over a year and a half, really. I mean, it was it was a while before it really kind of found its groove. Tell us a little bit too about um, Elaine coming into the show because she was not in the pilot. No, she wasn't. And um, so with the network notes, they wanted a female character, like you, you need a female character in this. So I think initially, they weren't sure, like how that would be because they, they knew from the get, the get go, Jerry and Larry were like, we don't want some female like a uh, love interest, will they won't they like, again, like that's not this show, they knew that from the beginning, they might not have known every single, you know, facet of the show, what they wanted it to be It wasn't fully fleshed out, but they knew the tone and they knew like, how they wanted it structured. And Larry and Julia worked together at Saturday Night Live. And both of them didn't have the best experience. I think Larry David, Larry David famously quit. <laughs> and like, he got one, he might have gotten one sketch on and it was like the one right before 1am, like the last sketch. Like, <laughs> so he just he felt it was a waste of time. Julia was there, I believe, for like three years, he was there for maybe one season. But they commiserated together because she didn't really have the best experience. She was super young. I want to say he's like early 20s she was there yeah oh um, if you watch sketches she just looks like a little baby i know <laughs> she really does <laughs> and you know he remembered her from that and she'd been working job to job in, in the industry and 
Larry had a, an ex-girlfriend very much like the you know Jerry and Elaine dynamic. He had an ex-girlfriend who he was friends with and they had such a great relationship. He They thought of like, well, what if it's like that? What if it's like a female character who is like that? And they were they were very kind of like, I don't know, who are we going to find that can pull everything off where it's like, yeah, I mean, we want her to be believably Jerry's ex-girlfriend. So someone who's attractive, someone who can bring a charm to it, but also can hold her own. And yeah, I mean, it was just kind of serendipitous, like Larry David remembered Julia. And yeah, she came in and auditioned. And it was like, I believe in the Comedians in Cars Getting Coffee episode of Jerry Seinfeld's show that he had for a while. The Julia Louis-Dreyfus episode's adorable. It's so cute. But yeah, she talked about how like, it was just instant. Like they just had a rapport. And he was so relaxed in the audition. He was eating cereal while she was... (laughs) Auditioning. I mean, that's <laughs> canon, right? I mean, um, can't get more Seinfeld. But yeah, so it that's what it came out of. You know, it was a network note saying we need a woman in this cast. I don't know if they would have cast one had it not been for that. So they did I, bring that I know the they table. had the like the snarky waitress character in the diner. Yes. But then I guess then that doesn't then you can't take it out of the diner. Well, that was the thing. It was exactly what Larry David said. Okay, but how are you like, then we're gonna have to be in the diner a lot if, if we want her to have a, a substantial part of this. Yeah, you know, it'll just be a side character. And that's it. And that's not what we're looking for. And beyond that, I believe I'd read in um, an article that they didn't really get along that actress who played the waitress and Larry David butted heads, she had her idea of what what the comedy should be. And he was like, Okay, leave it to to me and Jerry. <laughs> like, Barry was, <laughs> yeah. So th- that was. I mean, I don't know if that's really uh, confirmed. It was a rumor going. Like, yeah, we were looking uh, for reasons to get rid of her, and it, it wouldn't have worked because the coffee shop was that place where the like, like a third space for the four mm-hmm. of them to to get together. Yeah, and to be themselves. And there is sort of a power dynamic with someone who is bringing you food and who you're tipping. Totally. And yes. that, that wouldn't have that wouldn't have worked because it was that constant like shifting of power dynamics between them who is like the morally superior one in this situation who can make fun of someone totally. who's got that upper hand and in, in this like wacky misadventure they've gotten themselves into. And I love that it becomes especially with Elaine because the thing that bothered me early in the series was that she was the one that didn't have any money. She was the one that who's, you know, she did the job she had, she was being passed over and she didn't really, she couldn't really make headway at Pendant or whatever. And so it, to me, especially like I brought up that episode with the apartment before. Okay. Um, are we to believe that Jerry Seinfeld, who is a stand up comedian, but at that, you know, in the show, it's not like he's headlining like big arenas or anything. Yeah. No, so, he's just like a road comic. He's a he road just, comic. Just, yeah, yeah. Who lives in pretty nice area of Manhattan, right? Like I, I, that always, that it didn't occur to me until I started doing this podcast and like digging into it, but I'm going, Elaine, we learned like went to Tufts. She's got, you know, like she's um, educated. She's, you know what I mean? I'm, I'm going, why is Elaine the one? Like that sort of bugged me. Okay. And then eventually they did balance it all out with like George being unemployed and all this stuff. But George and Jerry, like they all seemingly had money, but Elaine was the only one who didn't have money and struggled and all that right. stuff. And I was kind even, of like, even though she was one of the one who had one of the more professional jobs, one of the more totally. prestigious jobs. Totally. Like why does Kramer, why can Kramer afford his apartment? <laughs> <laughs> when it's like, we don't know what the hell he does. But no, Elaine, I, yeah. I always thought that Kramer just inherited a rent controlled apartment from yeah. like some relative and 
yeah. that's how he was able to yeah. afford to stay there. And I kind of like that they don't reveal it. I mean, it's part of the mystique of Kramer. It's fine. Yeah. But um, more so with the Jerry and, and Elaine dynamic. Yeah. In those earlier seasons, it was like, okay, well, yeah, she's got the professional job. I, I totally see. Like, I'm not saying she should have been like in some loft like apartment and being super rich or anything. But at the same time, I just that was a very clear kind of um character trait that they had in the beginning where it was like, oh, she's the one that doesn't have any money and she's the one right. that yeah. Like we have to like gift her an apartment and and all that stuff. And I was kind of like Yeah. And then she keeps getting fucked over by them. <laughs> it's just that was a theme in the beginning too. I'm like these guys are so selfish and she just keeps getting like the apartment episode. Like they both end up not taking the apartment and she gets her hopes up and she had, then she's still living in her terrible apartment with her terrible roommate. The one where she almost gets an apartment above Jerry. And then he, oh, like, yeah. he, freaks, right. He like sabotages her. He totally sabotages yeah. it <laughs> and freaks out because, well, what if I want to hook up with women? <laughs> I'm like, Oh my God. Um, yeah. Like, you're yeah. all adults. You talk about it anyway. What, yeah. is, what does it matter? <laughs> and, and one of the things they had established in the beginning was that Elaine hated her roommate and, and hated her living arrangement. So it was just like, yeah, I kept seeing it over and over again. I'm like, man, like they just don't give a shit about her. <laughs> They're just like, I don't know. I can't handle Elaine in the building. So I know she's miserable and she's my friend, but let's sabotage this whole thing, you know? <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> And I, I can see it also from like a narrative perspective of you already have Kramer that's in the building yeah. to have that dynamic with the, the two or three of them. The like, right. what is Kramer going to come into her apartment? Are we going to spend more time in Elaine's apartment when I our like, main set is Jerry's? And Yeah, I would have been fine with the end result being the same in that in that scenario, in that episode where she ends up not living in the building. But I would have rather it been like her realization or or I think I say in the epi- in my hot and heavy episode about that, about that plot point where it's like, why didn't Elaine have any reservations? Because I feel like Elaine would have. I mean, I know she's desperate to get out of that place, but right, I feel but like, I think, yeah, yeah, she would have been like, oh, I don't know if I want to live by Jerry. He's just going to be stopping in all the time and I'm gonna have to hear about all of his yeah yeah woman he's gonna try it he's gonna try out stand-up material on me it was very one-sided and so I have a feature every now and then I do on my podcast it's like a scene swap where I'm going there was a lot of unnecessary shit we could have just like not had and then we could have and especially this is more applicable to the earlier seasons because I just felt like she didn't get enough screen time or enough substantive plot lines. So I'd be like, all right, well, in my head, we could have just chucked all that, this, 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 and this out the window because it really didn't bring anything to the episode. <laughs> and we could have had a scene with Elaine addressing whatever, you know, like, so I try and in my head, create a scenario where I'm like, well, this is where they kind of, they could have utilized JLD a little bit more and made it a little bit more of a balanced episode as far as like you were saying, the power dynamic there, because some in the, in the early seasons, it's very much like she succumbs to like, Jerry's whim a little bit or George's whim or something like that. It's, it's she, she, yeah. she's not a fully formed Elaine. So it's like, it, it's for me, sometimes like, it's frustrating where I'm like, she would never do that. No, 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 she would do that. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, you have the benefit of watching all of the episodes. Yes. yes. And, and maybe knowing more about the show than the writers did. <laughs> yeah. Well, well very exactly. honestly. Yeah. Like analyzing it more than the writers have. For sure. And, you know, I do take that into account. Like even, so I just published uh, season five, episode one, which is the mango. And, you know, we find out in that episode that Elaine faked every orgasm with Jerry. And so <laughs> in that episode, I go into 
Well, and, and it's, it's also in response to Julie Louis-Dreyfus very much acknowledging like, holy crap, I cannot believe we did this. And like on NBC at nine o'clock, like we're talking about female orgasms. Like this is incredible and not anything yeah. that was done back then. But yeah, I mean, I, I try not to get too into the weeds and analyze it to death because that can happen. I just try and keep it to the point where it's like, you know, recognizing maybe how rare it was in the time that it was they were airing this, but also because it's important to recognize like, hey, um, as as cringy as it might be, some of this stuff is just because of the time. And because I, I have a contributor who contributes a lot to my podcast, his name is Greg, and he says in his comments about the mango, he's like, I really don't like that she gives in and says, fine, we can have sex another time for you to try and give me an orgasm. But I don't know, I'm going, this friendship is so solid that the the absurdity of this is sort of believable because it's like, well, if this is the one thing that's going to help us, like, fine, like, let's just do this so we can get yeah. past it, you know? And yeah, it is a little bit to appease Jerry's ego, but she also knows this friendship and she knows what she's gotten into with this friendship. He's a cocky and, son of a bitch, right? <laughs> yeah. And she knows him and he she knows that this will continue to come up and be an issue. Right. If she doesn't if she doesn't like, do something about it. And this is this the <laughs> Right. This is the easiest thing. I think there's some of that like nineties detachment too, like the the like slacker yeah. nothing matters kind of, kind of thing. Like totally. what, what whatever. This doesn't matter. So let's just yeah. but let's then, just do it. The and, that, well, and then that's yeah. the charm of the show, too, is that they are sarcastic. Their emotions are never very earnest. Well, I feel like in a weird way, they are earnest in that that they in that they don't have a lot of emotions. And and that's what I bring up in the Mango episode. There's nothing attached to them having sex that's romantic or with any yeah. kind of expectation of it leading anywhere. It's purely to just like, let's get this crap out of the way. So you can notch it up there and say, I gave Elaine an orgasm and get yeah. past this. Like, it's such a, it's so absurd. But somehow they make it into a situation where I'm like, huh, if there were friends who were an ex-couple and this was discovered la- later, I'm like, I could kind of see this being a sticking point because for all intents and purposes, Elaine was lying a lot to Jerry. It's more just finding out about the dishonesty, I think, that he couldn't get over. And I'm sure also like, his sexual and the prowess. Ego. Yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah. I mean, men still think that. So we're getting into Elaine's sex life and dating life a little bit. Yes. Let's talk about her as a single female character yeah. on TV in the 90s. I mean, obviously, I have a podcast about single yes. women. Just <laughs> one reason I wanted to talk about Elaine, because she was so different than every other character yeah. that was like single and looking for love. She did date a lot. Yeah. But I don't I can't say that she was ever looking for love. No. And that to me also, when I was looking back at why, God, why was I so attracted to Elaine and what she was and and who she was? And it was, again, that was something that was so distinctive about her character where it wasn't this like the ultimate goal of her being was to find the one, you know, and that's just what yeah. we always watch. And, and there's nothing wrong with that either. I'll admit it. I'll like those too. But um, of this, course, uh, it, there's but, a part but, of me yeah, that but there's, that. Yeah, but right. There is something about uh, her having a personality outside of yes. wanting to be somebody's girlfriend or wanting to be married or, or wanting to be a wife. There's right. something to be said about someone who is like, sure, I'm going to date this guy and I'm going to be annoyed at this ugly jacket that he wears or any of the other myriad reasons right. that she has broken up with guys. And and in, 
pretty much every relationship they show her in, I feel like she's the one sort of calling the like she's got the power, right? Like with Putty. I mean, I, I think I think the Putty <laughs> one, the relationship was so so funny and so dysfunctional, but so amazing too. Because yeah, there were times when she certainly was like calling the shots, but then there were times where you know he would sort of give it back to her, and you know what I mean. But I also love that too, where it's like I was so sick of seeing the women always being the killjoy in the relationship. Like we talked about, it's like, oh, okay. They're always like, what are you doing, honey? And you got to put up the yeah. garbage and all that, you know, bullshit that we saw over and over again. And it was like, this was, it was fun to see her kind of be put in her place every now, now and then by, by a guy, you know? Yes. She was single. She was dating. She had sex and she was, it was unapologetic. It, it was presented unapologetically, right? Like there was no, she, yeah. Her being that way was never the butt of a joke. And if it was, it was within like the friend circle and they all ripped on each other about certain things, you know? So it was it, right. She was never shamed within the show, either within like the cast or the, or sorry, like the, the dynamic of the characters or like publicly is like in the pop right. culture. Like she was never looked down upon for being who she was. Like we've had like sexually potent female characters before. Like I think of, Blanche from Golden Girls or Mona from Who's the Boss? I'm I'm sorry, I'm I'm old. So I, <laughs> these are my references. <laughs> but their sexuality was like the joke of it. And and that was almost right. all they were. Okay, there was episodes where they weren't only just horny, but like also that was their identifier. With Elaine, it was just part of it. And she was also she had career issues, like there was issues with the office in her life. There were, you know, issues with her apartment building or, you know, so there yeah. were just different and, or, or or other females in her life. So it was just right. It was or, so or great. Just, like or just weird things like the, the guy, the mannequin that looks like her and the guy right. who's obsessed with her. <laughs> I mean, like, what a gift to have this show that gave her all of these different um, things that we just never, I don't know, we just didn't see very much. It yeah. was always the, the female characters so often were just connected with romance, a romantic storyline and the, the pursuit of uh, getting married and, and finding that perfect right. person. And um, or they were the object, like mm -hmm. the object of desire. They were some man like wondering, like, what can I do to quote unquote, get this woman? Yeah. Yeah. And I think, I mean, I think that just back to her dating and her sex life, it, the the thing I love most about it, it was just so just matter of fact and unapologetic. And there was never any shame or, you know, nothing yeah. associated with it that she should be that was even suggested she should be ashamed of it. And it was just right. like it was part of it was part of her life. And it was discussed sometimes and not discussed other times. Like, yeah. yeah. And I think for me, Spongeworthy mm -hmm. is is obviously one of those episodes that like she is so in control of her sexuality yep. that she's like I need to control every aspect of this. This is these are the aspects that are important to me. Yeah. Um, having birth control being like that high of a, of a priority. Yeah. In something that like I don't want to waste this. I don't want to waste this on just any sexual experience. Like I want to <laughs> no. make sure that like if I'm going to use up these things that I love that that I'm going to get something out of this too. Right. And I like just. Like talking about female pleasure, like sh sh it wasn't ever like expressly expressed. Like it it's about her getting an orgasm out of the experience, but it's implied definitely into the like, is this, are you worthy of this? Are you worthy of my time and my experience? Um, yeah. And again, to, not to overanalyze and get so deep into it, uh, but 
that it's just it's it's about a, a, a sponge. It's about a birth control device. But it's also like, is this worth my yeah. time? You know, <laughs> are you just yeah. me? Are you me worthy? And I think that sort of subtext of it probably wasn't even thought about or intentional, but probably uh, not. But yeah. it's there. But it's totally there. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I mean, even at the end <laughs> where she has no regrets, but she's like, no, I, I can't. I can't use two of them. <laughs> He's like, wait, what? <laughs> and it's so, it's so great. But like, the, even the, in that episode, there's a moment where, where Kramer's the one that says, no, I, I think, what do you use for birth control? You know, and she's just like, Kramer. <laughs> and he's like, no, I think this should be discussed in an open forum. And you can tell she is a little like shy to say it, but yeah, that's right. But it too. is like, yeah, yeah. with Kramer, right. it's your ball. <laughs> right. And just that you should just casually give away this information about your private life. Like, <laughs> no, not necessarily. Um, and there's also there's something about like the glee and the maniacal glee that she has when she gets those sponges. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like where she's carrying those giant boxes. And I know. Just, there's like that look in her eyes of like, my preciouses, my preciouses. Well, and- what it, I mean, that the moment where that pharmacist, I, again, like I, I'll, I'll try not to gush too much, but like it's just Julia Louis-Dreyfus has such great, it, it's not over the top, like it's always the right level of like facial expression. So like when, yeah, there, she's in the pharmacy, she's been all over the city, she's getting frustrated. And the guy's like... Actually, we have a case in the back, and and she's like, oh, oh, you know, it's like this moment, and then she's trying to be like, I'll take three, and then the way it just keeps heightening to just give me the whole case, I'll be on my way. Oh, I just first of all, comedic, just comedically, it's so genius, but then the way she plays is plays it is genius, but yeah, just that is very much like I'm gonna I'm gonna take it all, like you know, because. I know I'm going to be having sex and I need to do it on my own terms. Like, it's just, oh, it's so great. That's such a great episode. I can't wait to get to that one. And then the other episode that jumps out to me about women's sexuality is the contest, of course. Yes. Oh, my gosh. So, yeah. Who would ever talk about a woman masturbating on national network TV? (laughs) I I think it was like the contest and then... I, I don't like 20 years later that maybe somebody right talked about it on TV. Like it was, it was literally like a 20 year gap. Yeah. I mean, and that was, so when I watched like the behind the scenes or every now and then when they have what's called an inside look on the DVDs and JLD is one of the people being interviewed. Uh, the first one she calls out as far as like something that's risque when she has her male friend, boyfriend or whatever visiting from Seattle and she just didn't want him there anymore. And she's telling Jerry, like I told him I had my period for five days because she doesn't want to like, she's just not attracted to him anymore. So yeah. He, so he asks, well, have you guys been, you know, and she says that. And so Jill, uh, Julie Louis-Dreyfus was just like, I mean, to say the word period, like that was unheard of. And um, to say that was what her excuse was, I mean, it was just, it was completely outside the norm. So that yeah. for sure was, and that was early, that was like season two. And then, yes, and then certainly the contest where, I mean, she had to be part of it, right? Like, I love that, like, in the beginning, they're making the bet. And then I think it was also very natural that, like, they would get, she would get resistance too, where she was just like, I want to be a part of this too. And they're like, no, 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 no. You know, I think that'd be typical. And then, yeah, I love that she didn't win. 
That I love that she didn't win. Yes. <laughs> and that was part of Larry David was interviewed. And he said that from the get go that we knew we we're going to include Elaine. But I, you know, I was very vocal and being like, and she can't be the winner that like people would be expecting her to win. No, she's going to lose. <laughs> like, and I'm like, that's great. That's such. Yeah. Oh, it's just it's so gro- groundbreaking and very, very rare to see that kind of stuff. But to your point, yeah, I mean, have we ever seen anything? I mean, I don't really watch network TV anymore, but have we seen something like that as explicit as that since? I don't know. I I think there was one scene in a D from It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Oh, okay. She had a sitcom, I think it was on Fox. And I think she's like pretty explicitly like masturbating with a vibrator. Oh, okay. <laughs> and then someone interrupts her and she, and she like tells them off like, I... What? I'm busy pleasuring myself. That's the one that I can think of. I, there might have been I'm sure something there has been. here or yeah. there, but yeah. yeah, it's not. Yeah, on network, I don't know that it's that explicit ever. I remember still being, like euphemisms yeah. for it. Exactly. Well, and I think that was another genius part of that episode is where they don't ever say the word masturbate. It's more mastery of your domain, queen of the castle, like it's treating your body like an amusement park. But that to me is the challenge of writing comedy sometimes where it's like, like, I've done improv comedy for many years. And it's like, if you're having an off night, like, you know, if you just say dildo in a scene, you're going to get a laugh. But it's like, "Mm, it's a cheap laugh. Yeah, it's a cheap laugh. (laughs) And master of your domain. That's like pretty brilliant (laughs) wordplay. Yes, yes. So it's just done with such, um, I don't know, like more of a clever way to address it. And you know that they had to do that. It wasn't like they had the freedom to say like, right, like whatever, masturbate even, not even just saying masturbate, but just saying something even more right, like um, jerk off. Or, yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So the challenge of that made for some really fun wordplay, like you said, it just it makes it that much better because it's it's not as funny if you just say like jerking off, yeah. you know. Right. No. And yeah, not in that context and not with those characters. And the scene where she does lose the bet. I I love like, it's just, it is, it's unapologetic. Mm-hmm. It's Elaine just owning her desire. Right? Like yeah. she knows that she's in this contest. There's money on the line that she could win. Plus just, you know, it's bragging rights and the, and the, the power struggle with these. And she's yeah. like, I don't care. <laughs> I don't care. I got a John John. Yeah, it was John John. Yeah. <laughs> and then I, but it's like, it, we even get a little bit more. It's like, but you were doing okay the night before. It's like, yeah, but now I know he wants to pick me up. <laughs> so just like, it just got too hot. I got too hot yeah. and heavy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and of course, hot and heavy. Oh. That, yes. That was that- all about. Oral sex. That was all about yes, <laughs> yes, which I totally didn't get when it first aired. I didn't know oh, what God, the no. hell they were talking about. I just thought, okay, there. If if someone could just be like a, a super virgin, that was me at that point. <laughs> so I'm like, I knew nothing. <laughs> I knew nothing. Child of Indian immigrants, I wasn't allowed to like do anything. So like to me, watching that, I was just like, all right, it's another thing. Another thing in like sex that I don't know anything about, but I remember my dad, we all, we used to watch Seinfeld as a family and (laughs) my dad was not happy after that one. And he didn't obviously say what it was, but he knew. And he was just like, that was very vulgar. I, that they shouldn't be saying that stuff, you know, like he was very like, and I, and I was just like, and you were like, was it, was it vulgar? Well, it definitely sparked my curiosity. And I, I, don't know if I figured it out until like years later, probably, probably rewatching it in like college or something. But I must have not had a rundown with the two guys that watched Seinfeld in my high school after that one, like with the whole like 
um, Dolores Clitoris thing, I had no yeah. idea until the next day. And I acted like I knew, like my one friend was like, oh my God, I totally figured it out. Like, hello. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, I know, right? What is it? You know? <laughs> I know. Which I guess that says something about our education system that, you know, you... Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> no, but but for, yes, that episode, now I see just even at the end where he's like, he can't play the sax because he's like, his lips are like, it's so yeah, funny. You know? It's so funny. <laughs> but it's not at all like... I mean, my dad thought it was vulgar, but that was also a very conservative Indian man. But like, you know, to me, yeah. I'm going, it's still super subtle where whatever 14, 15 year old could have could watch it and be like, okay, I know right. it's I funny, but <laughs> yeah, but but I don't know why precisely. Yeah. Once again, how often was female pleasure prioritized? Like, and how often was cuddlingus prioritized? It yes. would have been like a it would have been like a blowjob joke or something. Totally. I guess that would be more like two thousands, but yeah, it would it it's was such it's still like a scandalous thing. It will get you or a different rating yeah. if you're showing full frontal female nudity and mm-hmm. it is something that, that makes censors so much more squicky yeah. is is a woman receiving pleasure. Everything's been seen for so long since the dawn of television from the male gaze. So, yeah. you know, as we get more women in the writer's room and as the executive producer, the show creator, showrunner like positions, then we'll, we'll see more of that. And we are. It's definitely that oh, everything, yeah, you know, things are changing for sure. But and I think that, again, is why I'm so excited to cover these episodes and say, look at what they did here in the 90s. It's like, it's hard to believe like, this show wasn't even in the new millennium. Like it was this show ended in 98. And we covered yeah, we cover her having her period and not wanting to let you know, not wanting to have sex with the guy. So she says she's at her period. We cover her masturbating. We cover her female orgasm. Then we cover also, yeah, wanting to get eaten out. Sorry. <laughs> I didn't mean to go that Wanting to get eaten out. And then also, I just thought of another one, The Move, where... And that's, I think, also cunnilingus, but like, what, yes, where yes. Putty steals Jerry's move. Yes. And, you know, and they, and they do actually get a little bit descriptive where she's, he's like, I actually put my tongue in a counterclockwise, you know, it's like, okay. And little super virgin Shivani thought, I was like, is this like about kissing? Cause it's a tongue. Like, I, that's all, that's the extent of what I knew. I, so, like, I I'm no pretty idea. sure that's what I thought it was too. <laughs> like uh, if I, if I even, or if I just wasn't like totally confused. Yeah. Just total RCA dog headcock. Like, exactly. Yes. Oh my gosh. Totally. But yeah, that, that was, that was something totally like, what? We were, we're, we're being yeah. very explicit now about what, uh, what Elaine likes and that. And that, but it, it is a little continuity error there. It's like, well, Jerry had such a good move, but she still didn't have orgasms. <laughs> let's, let's not right. forget. <laughs> or she's still just really good at faking orgasms. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. I'm hoping I said that I say this in the mango episode. I am hoping it seems like she figured it out eventually. And I hope she did because, well, every woman should know. Every what, woman should. Should know what uh, gets them to that point. So, yeah. yes. But, right. Just to be really adult about sexuality. Right. And to acknowledge, like this is this is just what happens, yes. in in a normal hetero couple. Well, and men's sexuality or or desire for pleasure has been celebrated forever. It should there should never be because I th- I feel like again with my really topical uh, references of Blanche and Mona. <laughs> 
it was almost like slut shaming a little bit with them too, right? Because it was like, oh, they're super horny ladies and let's keep making jokes about that. And it was sort of, they weren't highly regarded because of that part of them. You know what I mean? So part of me too is like, I love that. Let's portray the, like everything about female sexuality as something that's normalized now. (laughs) It doesn't have to be something that's controversial or anything like that, you know? No, right. And the episode wasn't like, oh my God, she wants me to go down on her and that's weird. It was just like, this is is how we're, this is how we're doing it. This is how we're, (laughs) this is our move to perform oral sex. Like, right, right. Yeah. The move, I mean, is so funny. (laughs) So, so funny. (laughs) Just like, I just love how how territorial they become. Like you, you stole my move, you know. (laughs) Right. How George has a terrible move, (laughs) which totally makes sense. That's totally on brand for George. I love that. Was there a knuckle involved? Yes. (laughs) He stole my move. (laughs) Oh, so good. Oh, I love how she takes control over her relationships and. She's just like the male characters who all come up with these bizarre reasons or identify these bizarre reasons why they don't want to be in relationships with people. Mm -hmm. And she does too. Yeah. We didn't even, oh, I I did want to touch on it because it is so heartbreakingly topical right now. But, you know, the episode where she breaks up with the moving guy because he's uh, pro-life, right? That was pretty... Like, oh, yeah. that shit was never talked about. And right. you know, that's not that's like an untouchable thing, especially in a network network sitcom. Like, you don't yeah. want to alienate people. But I love that they established Elaine was like, like staunchly pro-choice to the point where it's like she's with what she thinks is her dream man and is like head over heels. And then it just takes that one thing. It's a deal breaker for her. And I, I fucking right. love that, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and that she's not going to compromise on that. Mm-mm. She's not going to do the like, well, I don't know, but there are so many other good things about him. No. She's just like, yeah, oh, that nope, that's a <laughs> right. That's that box is at the top of the red flag list, and yep. uh, once I check it, he's gone. Yeah, loved it, loved it, and it was like the timing of me doing that episode, and like the timing of the world was like, ugh, it was <laughs> like you, like you, it worked out great, but you hated that I- it worked out great fucking hated it. I mean, it was like <laughs> the line in the in the episode that he says is like, you know, someday we're going to get enough people on the Supreme Court to change that law. And it was like, oh, it was like this, like the knife being like, just oh, grinding in my stomach. I'm like, motherfucker. The, the timing of it was just uh, awful. But I guess just to spin it a little bit, it was just it was so great to see, to see like that was part of the Elaine character established without apology, without I, I think in the inside look for that episode, they talked about how a lot of times they'll address like, OK, what was the reaction from the public? And they said we might have gotten a couple of letters, but for the most part, it sort of just it just flew and, and it just happened. And yeah, no one really batted an eye. I, and I would imagine that the average person who would watch Seinfeld, it is a little bit more cerebral than an average For sitcom. Sure. You do have to, to, to think about it and decode things. So I would imagine that the, the average viewer was a little bit more liberal. I think so. Or, or at least someone who would like respect someone else's viewpoint and wouldn't write and write an angry letter. Right. Oh, for sure. I mean, I, I think you're right, especially like, 
the quote unquote, as they put it in a lot of the inside looks, like the Jewishness of the show, that was a concern in the beginning of going like, should we make it less Jewish and all this stuff? And it's like, no, we again, Larry David and and Jerry (laughs) Seinfeld are like, we know funny. We might not know the ins and outs of how to create a show, the rules of sitcom television. We might not know all of that, but we know funny. And part of our, I mean, a huge part of our identity is being Jewish, like white Jewish men in New York, right? So no, that's not, yeah. that's not a point to which we can like tweak <laughs> or turn down. <laughs> yeah. And I can't even imagine how the show would be if you removed that, that personal detail. It's, then it's not well, their perspective. It's, it's from a completely exactly. different perspective. Exactly. So it, it, you're taking away exactly like the essence of the show. But unfortunately, it seems to be a very and maybe back then more so, but like a very common concern about anything being too ethnic, right? Like you can't have it be too ethnic. So I think for them to tackle something like abortion and not really have the the counterpoint to how Elaine feels being pro-choice, like not having the pro-life part of it being looked at as a positive thing, you know? So it, it was like, they really took a stance there. And I thought that was so cool. Yeah, for a show that wasn't really known for being about issues. It was was a sitcom about nothing. It was supposed to be about nothing. It was supposed to be about those just dumb little things that happened in your day and your reaction to them. In that episode, it just happened to be a super, like, you know, polarizing topic that was the determining factor of where Jerry wanted to eat (laughs) and who Elaine was going to date. You know what I mean? Like, it's just, it was just a device used to like talk about like, oh, Jerry didn't want to eat at Poppy's because, you know, he was gross before, like he didn't wash his hands. Like, it's just, they can combine the, the completely like trivial with something so, so like heavy, like (laughs) uh, the abortion issue. It's just, wow. Like that's, that takes some really creative people. Yeah, I, I mean, and does it say like even people that seem to care about nothing, they do care about things. Yes. They do. There yeah. are issues that are important to them and that they will take action on from some characters. If you you know look at the final episode where they're they are going yeah. on trial yes. for doing nothing essentially. <laughs> exactly, that's such a good way to put it. Oh my gosh, yeah. They the show about nothing. The demise of the main four was that they did nothing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Love that. And then had all everyone uh, that they've ever known come oh back God. to talk about all the like things that outsiders would look at this group and go, that's disgusting. But to the four of them, yeah. it made complete and absolute oh sense about yeah. And, well, and then that one, I love that they bring back that pharmacist. <laughs> she wanted sponges, and not the yeah. kind, not the kind you clean your tub with. The ones for sex, <laughs> you know. <laughs> like it's, like, and then she just her expression <laughs> is just like, what? Who cares? You know, it's so funny, right? So funny, well, and because uh, right, you shouldn't right. care. But I guess it's that uh, play between. You know, like the expected well, it's like the courtroom drama yeah. that you should <laughs> have. like. Yes, right. But I just love the way he delivers that line. They were for sex. Like it's so, <laughs> it's so funny. <laughs> oh, so yeah, good. like she hasn't been open about all of this right. the whole and time. It's like, well, gives a shit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you know, Elaine is not your standard character, and she does not act the way that you would expect a female sitcom character to act. So let's talk about, you know, there's there have been a lot of list posts about things that Elaine has done on the show. Are they good? <laughs> are they bad? Are they amazing? Are they hysterical? 
Are they kind of controversial now? Do they not stand up to the test of time? So let's talk about a few of these examples that have been cited in some of these articles and dissect Elaine a little bit more as a character. All right. So there is a vulture post, the 30 best Elaine Mm. moments on Seinfeld. I will link it in the description below. Um, We'll go through and, and talk about a few of these. Right on. Oh, this is probably a pretty good one. The Apology. It's mm-hmm. a later season. It's season nine. So Elaine is talking to Jerry and he asks what she thinks of his body. <laughs> and she is just really blunt and honest with him and tells him what she thinks is wrong, that he has chicken wing shoulder blades <laughs> yes. and that he, you know, on male nudity and how male nudity is right. disgusting and female nudity yeah. is like beautiful and soft and curvy. <laughs> yeah. Should she have told him? Should she have been that honest? And what does it say about her that she's... I? I that she is still dating men and, and sleeping with men, even though she finds naked men hideous. Yeah, I didn't think about that point of view. Like, to me, I'm like, yeah, anytime you can take Jerry down, I think it should be done. Yeah, <laughs> I would imagine he would have chicken wing I, I, shoulder blades. Like, he'd just kind of be like like angles, like yeah. all awkward Well, and I love the follow-up to that, where she's like, when he says... Is that all? No, but that's a start. <laughs> you know, like, she's like, I've got a whole <laughs> bunch of shit. Yeah, no, I think, well, and she does say a man's body, it's, it's, uh, it's utilitarian. It's like a Jeep. So I think she's just using it to, uh, yeah. you know, do a little off-roading and <laughs> getting and feeling and <laughs> using it to get where she needs to. <laughs> so, um, yeah, probably not the most sensitive thing. But by that point, season nine, we are well into... Elaine doesn't give a shit, especially about these guys and their feelings. So, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, and, and you said it too, like the relationship is so strong that she can say shit yeah. Yeah, about yeah. him. And he, yeah, he's he's going to like pout about it and, and try and like convince her that yeah. it's not true. But ultimately, they'll be fine. As friends, they can they'll say be fine. this stuff to each other and it, it's like just rolls off their back. They'll take it in. But it, yeah, it's they're to this. They're so yeah. solid. It's it's fine. Yeah. And yeah, at the end of the day, Jerry's ego is big enough that that's not going to that's not going to that's not going to shake his belief in well, himself and, that much. You know, one of the he's not he's not George. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Jerry can take that. And besides, he gets a new way, uh, like a, a incredibly beautiful woman every week. So <laughs> I don't think it's really going to affect his dating life. Yeah. All right. How about this one about Putty? We've talked a little bit about her relationship with Putty before. And I always remember the eight ball jacket (laughs) because I had like a a second cousin who had that same jacket. She had the eight ball jacket and she would, I mean, I know she probably didn't watch Seinfeld, but she would wear it after that episode. That's amazing. (laughs) It just always made me laugh because it literally was that jacket just on, like, imagine that on like a, like a 12 year old girl. (laughs) It's so great. A great visual. <laughs> I I wasn't sure if that was a like something they created for the show, but clearly that was available somewhere. That's amazing. That was available. <laughs> yeah. No, that was absolutely available. And maybe that was their reaction to that jacket being like they saw it in a store and they were like, Yeah. The fuck yeah. Is and that like thing? And what would Elaine think oh, of this thing? It's amazing. That's a great, that's a great one. And there's been some other things. It's like putty was like a lot of the visual of how putty looked in her life like what did what did he look like there was um there was there was another article of clothing wasn't there well that, the fur like, he that was earlier in the yes. eight ball. yeah because the eight ball is that what he gets after the fur okay um his face for the hockey game so that, yes that might be that might be the extent of 
physical. Yeah, like what he what he wears or makeup wise or yeah, jacket wise. Oh, yeah, the fur. <laughs> Amazing. Oh. <laughs> the chest painter one too. Like mm-hmm. that is because it was it was his whole chest, well, wasn't it? It started like out with the, face, the chest, but it was also, and then she she attempts to break up with him because you're a face painter. I mean, that's literally the only reason. And he's just like, and then he's just like, well, I don't have to do it. It's not like I have to, you know, it's not like it's a requirement. She's like, oh, well, you'd give it up for me. And that sort of touches her, you know. And then at the end, yeah, then they're like getting intimate on the couch and she opens his shirt and she's like, wait, you said you wouldn't do this. He's like, well, it was not on my face. <laughs> so, oh, it's so great. It's so great. Oh God! Their yeah, their relationship is so great. Like he was, he was almost kind of like dense enough. Yes, that like all of her barbs kind of just rolled off. Well, and of that's him. what I love too. It's like, she, I think she does what so many I think women do. Unfortunately, is that Putty was her go-to when she couldn't find anyone better. You know, and and I think that really humanizes yeah. her in a weird way. You know, she's very strong, very like um, headstrong, and and does all you know, does what she wants to do. But Putty, for whatever reason, was her was her weakness. And that also, in a, in a weird way, like the, the humanizing effect that has is something that I really, I love about her too, because I don't need my characters to be completely perfect and, you know, uh, you know, not no. be fallible. And so like her affection for Putty is done so well, because again, it, it's somehow devoid of emotion. <laughs> in a lot of ways. Yeah. <laughs> it is. It is somehow. I didn't, is it is it because he's like that blank? I think so. That he doesn't really require anything from her, so she's just like, "Oh, okay. Yes. Yeah, like he's not this guy. He doesn't He's not high maintenance. I can be high maintenance." Yes. And he, I will he's take, not. Yes. He never will well, be. Because in that that line from when she <laughs> She finds out he's religious and she's, you know, because of all his presets on his, in his car are, are like Christian rock. Oh, yeah. And she says, well, I feel like I've been misled. You know, I thought he was one dimension. Like she, she says that like, well, now <laughs> I know he's religious. Yeah. Like that, that complicates this because he was just so one dimensional before. And God, one of my favorite lines is, so you'd prefer dumb and lazy to religious. She's like, dumb and lazy. I understand. Like, <laughs> fucking love that (laughs) yeah i know yeah same same i understand that it's like it's just like this weird yeah and then wait 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 wait. no no now you're getting deep like we can't do that right and also just funny that she'd never either he never said anything like he didn't think it was important to bring it up or she just never noticed (laughs) before exactly but then like that's so telling right she's she doesn't really look at him too much in the sense like both probably physically and because she's grossed out by the male body or like intellectually, <laughs> emotionally. So yeah, she he's had a Jesus fish on the on his back bumper. She's probably ridden in his car, you know, <laughs> but it's like she just didn't really notice yeah. it until she was driving it and she had to focus on it, right? Like it's just, it's so, like when it's on her timeline, she'll notice something and then she'll be like, wait a second. <laughs> so Elaine. Right. But yeah, it is so, it's so <laughs> Elaine. Oh my god, that's so lame. Uh, and I was trying to think about like some of the other uh, her other boyfriends. I'm trying to think of if there was one where she was kind of like lovey dovey with. I mean, there was like, but it always gets. It's like it's like the pie in the face. Like she she falls for the guy who ends up being the what was it the 
I'm the Wiz, the guy that was on the furniture commercial. <laughs> oh, yeah. Which she like dumps Putty, <laughs> who she dumps Putty for. But it's but it's explained. Like she's kind of getting like, she's like, isn't he the best? Oh my God, I love him. And then it's like, you mean this? And then so it's like, <laughs> oh, it, it's revealed. Like, no, you're not having real feelings, Elaine. You're just remembering this commercial. <laughs> it's so ridiculous. <laughs> so ridiculous. There was the boyfriend who would, with the back oh my problems. Gosh, yes, yes. Hal Kitzmiller. <laughs> and there's like the whole thing with the funky name. <laughs> Hal Kitzmiller. Yeah. Uh, and then the then he gets her the mattress. Yes. Yes. And then the mattress smells like the East because River. She, well, because she gives it to Kramer. So she's offended by it, right? At first, because she's just like, oh, yes. Well, he has yes. that problem. So he got this mattress because he just assumes he's going to sleep over. So she gives it to Kramer. <laughs> and then he find and then she finds out, no. Well, that she's just won over because he's like, well, I estimated your height and weight, five, seven, a hundred and some pounds or something. And she's just like, oh. right. <laughs> she's like, that's all it takes. <laughs> Stroke her, her, uh, her uh, ego a little bit with her, with some physical compliments. And yeah. And then, yeah, then she gets it back from Kramer because turns out he just was looking out for her lumbar support. And then, yeah, then it stinks <laughs> and it falls on her. <laughs> She's trying to move it. It's so weird. So weird. So funny. Right. And then she has back problems. So she has to go swimming yes. in the East River because that, it turns out, is the thing that oh, will leave yep. back problems is swimming in a stink, stink ass river. <laughs> oh, it's so great. And I guess we haven't talked a lot about Elaine wanting kids right. or not because it doesn't seem like she would. And then there is that episode with the baby, with the, the ugly baby. Well, there's the ugly baby. Yeah. And who, like, that's it, so great. Like they're, the whole reason they're going to the Hamptons is to go see the baby. To go see, see the, baby. the baby. And like, I love that they're more interested in just like being in the Hamptons because I think that's very, you know, on track for that group. But then, yeah, the one yes. scene with the baby is just super ugly. I just love that she's just like, Ooh! <laughs> you know, it's just... <laughs> again like a woman not doting over a baby like that's sort of unheard of right yeah. like this total that's kind yeah, of a total lack of, yeah. of instinct or desire i mean later you know when the whole episode with kevin she meets bizarro jerry and kevin and or the whole group and they bond over the fact that they don't want to have kids and yeah like I love the scene with, with Kevin when he, he's like, no, am I a bad person because I don't want to have kids? She's like, no, anyone can have kids. It's been done to death. Like, I just love that perspective. <laughs> and yeah, I, it, it's unclear, though, because towards the end of that episode, she's like, well, no one's, you know, 100% sure about it. All of the, you know, like, so I don't know if they make her waver a little bit. It's not like it's certain. Yeah. No, it's it's. All of the characters are sort of child yeah. unfriendly. Yeah. Like you can't like you can't imagine any of them even wanting to or their life or changing their life to no. like accommodate a, a kid. You let's would, face. I mean, you don't have to I mean, have, want a kid. Yeah, Jerry exactly. is a kid. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Jerry is a kid. He still has toys. He still plays with toys. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and it's like, I think if you were to take a survey, you wouldn't want these people to like be in charge of a kid. Even George with when he's dating the, the woman who has a kid and then he ends up pushing all the kids out of the way to get out of the fire, the apartment fire, you know, <laughs> love that. Yes. Absolutely love that. Um, you know, he does a big brother thing like, 
you know, it's just, it's like, they're all, they all have so much to figure out about themselves. And yeah, it's like, it, it, this is not what the show is. These are not what these characters are. It's great. And then if they do introduce little kids into the episode, it's almost like the kids are always the butt of the joke, which is kind of great, right? Like, again, unexpected, yeah. kind of who cares? Like, let, it's fine. This is a show for adults anyway. So let's be realistic. Yeah. yeah. So we can, right. We can right. make fun of kids. There's nothing wrong with that. Let's switch to some of her more questionable Ooh. moments or things that might not stand <laughs> yeah, the test of time or are just mm. bad decisions. Okay. Look at this bad decision list. So there is a right, uh, screen rant likes to do listicles about things okay. that Elaine has done. There's one, the 10 dumbest decisions Elaine made ranked. And let's go to their number one. What is the dumbest thing they okay. think Elaine has done? Oh, okay. This one is not great. Elaine wants to convert someone so she can date them. Oh, uh, this is the, oh, be God. the beard yes. episode. Okay. No. Yeah. This one is cringy. Yeah. With like the teams and yeah, like. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I, okay. I, I believe her getting a crush on him. I think that is completely. I can see that happening, right? And and Jerry kind of says, yeah. well, of course, if there's no possibility of sex, of course you get along with someone so well. So I like that perspective. But yeah, I always, whenever I see that, and when she's just like, he defected, and he's all, she's all excited that she changed him. I was like, wait, what is this? Yeah. Yeah, it's not. I mean, I think that just is the underlying selfishness of the character. For sure. And just allowing her to be just unapologetically so selfish. It's not, she doesn't have an agenda outside of just like, there's a person that yeah, she wants to yeah, date. Yeah, not respecting and his sexuality <laughs> at all. <laughs> just yeah. Like, yeah. But it's not like a greater statement about like sexuality or I think, what did they, they said sexual preference then, right. like implying that you can choose your sexual yeah, orientation. It was a weird, like um, they were, they were, yeah, they were walking a, like a tightrope there because I, I mean, I do love ultimately that he went back to his team because I, I, I have to say as, <laughs> right, as a writer, I appreciate again, this sort of the comparison to like, well, I only have access to the equipment a half an hour a week and that's on a good week you know so i but again it's it is the, yeah. in the bigger picture it's just suggesting some overarching things that are just not true about especially your orientation and how it's just that's a part of who you are versus making a choice about it so it's yeah, yeah that that part so i like that ultimately you know it doesn't last long the guy's like no i'm i'm gay here like i'm not <laughs> i'm not interested in you but the right. I, yeah i'm yeah. kind of like yeah, that's a very selfish reaction from Elaine to to sit there and be like, have you ever thought about it? And and then he's even saying in that scene, he's like, well, I've never, you know, I'm a, I can't, I can't because I'm, I'm a starting shortstop. Like, you know, like they keep that on. She's like, we need a shortstop real bad. <laughs> so I think it's also, uh, I think what they were trying to portray there too is like this desperation. I think she felt like going, I cannot find any great men out there. Like we get along, like it's, this is the perfect scenario, sex and shopping or whatever she says too. Yeah. That one's, that one's, um, yeah. Now it's at that um, time. I think it is not yeah, a good not, thing. Not a great thing. Elaine. Yeah. Where being gay could be a punchline. Right. right. And now it and it shouldn't be. It's totally. a lazy punchline. Yep. yep. I'm seeing a lot of that. I'm I'm watching a lot of friends lately. Like my daughter's obsessed with friends and man, just <laughs> uh I appreciate it for what it is. Yeah. But the, oh God. The gay is a punchline. It's like it's so it happens so often. 
it's like shocking to me. And I shouldn't be shocked because I know when this show was made and I know like, but it, it but it's like, <laughs> right. like, don't they ever get tired of doing this? Like, it's so, like, oh, Chandler's gay. <laughs> like, it's like this joke all the right. time. Or like, um, when Ross's wife yeah. gets married, gets married to yeah. another woman. Yeah. And- I mean, that one's actually not, a, not that bad as far as like the homophobia in that, in that episode, in that sh- series, excuse me. Like, it's a, we, that's it's that's very true. More. That's very true. The punchline isn't that they're gay. The punchline is that like Ross wasn't masculine enough to keep her from becoming but it's more gay. With the men. Which it's is more like they like oh Ross got an evaluation from one of his students like saying that they had a crush on him. Well, how do we know it's a woman? It's it's not a guy. Like and everyone's like laughing, and I'm like, well, who cares if it is? <laughs> yeah, like who cares? But at that right. point, <laughs> it was still hilarious to joke that any of them could be gay men. Oh my god, how funny! You know, right? Where at least at least in Seinfeld, you have got not that there's well, anything wrong with it was, that. It which was is handled. It was handled better. I'm not saying they did it perfectly, but you they know, didn't. There, no. there are mentions of homosexuality but it is done with some at least some consideration of sensitivity with friends it's like outright calling someone oh yeah yeah, no it's just outright meanwhile and then this is another distinction oh but like rachel and monica getting together that's hot but ross or joey or or chandler being gay like oh like they freak out and then they laugh and it's like you know it's just it's so telling yeah i know yeah like that show was written by a fourteen-year-old well, boys, what, I think or something. Uh, David Crane is I, a gay man. I, one of the creators is a gay man, which that always I oh, that's always in the back of my head too. Whenever I'm here, whenever I hear these jokes, I'm like, oh, what the hell? I'm like, this was one of the crea- yeah. one of the creators like, of the show is a gay man, and so right. And then you like present this joke to him, and he doesn't go, um, "Why is that funny?" I think, exactly. I think it's a. I think it's because. And this is going to get way off on a tangent, but like, I just think it's one of those things where it's like a generational thing. I think he came up in a time where he knew it would be like funnier and he was, I guess, fine with that in a sense. And that, and I'm not, I'm not defending it, but I'm just saying, I I just think the perspective back then was like, Hey, if you get offended, then you're not going to have a show. So I'm just going to sit here and yeah, let's make a joke about Chandler being gay and whatever. And let's just keep laughing at it. And hey, if the masses like it, whatever, you know, it's just like, it's like a weird, it's a weird mentality to me. But um, yeah, I don't know. I've read some articles recently where the creators have certainly, they they look back and go, holy shit, we could have done a lot better with this stuff. Yeah, I think, and they are with having any like hint of diversity. Oh, God, right? I know. Um, I mean, in Seinfeld too, <laughs> Lord. I mean, those. <laughs> yeah, that's very true. There's not, there's hardly, are, uh, and when it is, it's sometimes borderline offensive. Uh, for sure. Yeah, for sure. But yeah, those are the things where it's like, I have to remind myself. It's it's tough, right? Like, I mean, you can still, you, it's, it's not like you have to hate a show because of their, you know, clear oversight of things like that, of the issues that just weren't, I mean, they just weren't part of the conversation back then. And so for me, I almost have right. to remove that from the equation. I'm just like, look, I'm just going to focus in on certain elements because that's a whole different podcast, right? Like <laughs> <laughs> for the whiteness of musty TV for decades. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Right. You had the Cosby show and then, uh, and, then no- pretty and then nothing <laughs> on NBC anyway. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. <laughs> so you are like a Seinfeld scholar of sorts. <laughs> Why, thank you. You've seen <laughs> every episode oh, yes. many, many times. And you have a lot of insight into the why of the episode. What is like your favorite um, episode of all time? And then like, what is your favorite episode of your podcast? Oh, um, wow. shoot. It's so hard for me to pick a favorite episode, but I think we definitely touched on a lot of them. I, I think Spongeworthy is probably my favorite just because of everything about it. You know, I, I love that everything ab about what Elaine's plot is, is just taking ownership of her sex life, her sexuality, her body. And it's just, it's so, and it's so funny. Like that scene I told you about, like one of my favorite scenes of all time when she <laughs> asks for three <laughs> sponges and then walks out with the case, right? Like it's just it's so great. It's all empowered Elaine for the whole episode. And it's, it's fantastic. And I also in that episode too, <clears throat> it's Susan and George having makeup sex, but she's out of her sponge. It's like, so even and that's another thing I like to do in the podcast too. I like to highlight all the female characters that appear in an episode and and just give some commentary on what they brought to the episode because again, it was a male dominated show. But I think the Susan character was fantastic. And so I loved she was the only one who could really call George out on all his bullshit, right? So like it's just she was powerful yeah. in a different way. And so yeah, that that's definitely my my favorite episode of my podcast. Um Girl, oh my gosh, this is uh, like what was the most fun to yeah. like analyze, or what was the one that you like really couldn't wait to oh, get okay, into? Okay, I'll tell you, like a certain yeah, aspect or um, issue. I my favorite, the one I was really excited to do was, <clears throat> and it's not necessarily like the best episode, but it was the one for me that solidified how much I love the Elaine character. So it was, it's the one where they go to Florida, the pen. So oh, yes, yeah, the, the pen. pen yes, so the the pen episode is where. Elaine takes the muscle relaxer and she gets all loopy because she's on the muscle relaxer because she throws her back out and it's like still she does the Stella part. Um, <laughs> holy shit. Like, first of all, like the physical comedy, that's something we didn't touch on. And just but that's just very specific to my love of JLD. She just has a way of being so in her body for everything. And I'm and when I talk about physical comedy, I say this in my podcast, I don't mean it has to be something as over the top like Kramer does, right? When that, that there's genius to that as well, don't get me wrong. But everything Julia Louis Dreyfus acts with her old her whole body. And so in that episode, that was just the first time you saw her do something that was pretty overt as far as physical comedy goes. Like not just the Stella part where she's like all like loopy from the <clears throat> muscle relaxers, but Earlier in the episode, she's in the she's in the bed, the the sofa bed, and is so uncomfortable because there's a bar right in my bag, and she does this like spin move like in the bed, like it's just it's so good, you know. And it's like it, it takes a special kind of actor <laughs> to know how to do that with their body without it looking forced or without it looking like just for the sake of comedy. It's like everything she does for me, you know, like, I just, I just love her so much. Like, she's so believable, but like physically, and that wasn't something you saw a lot with women at that time. And I just remember, like, we had that episode on VHS tape. I used to tape them off the TV. And <clears throat> I, right? Uh, yeah, same. Um, and I watched that so many times because I was like studying that physical comedy she was doing, but it didn't betray the Elaine character at all. You know what I mean? It's like, it was believable that Elaine did this. Yeah. And so 
I was really excited to cover that episode because, again, in the early episodes, I won't lie, in those early episodes I had to cover for the podcast, it was like a little bit, I was like, oh my God, I don't even want to talk about this one. So like Elaine's barely in it and Elaine's like, <laughs> whatever Elaine does is given is, is so dumb or whatever. But like this was the first, that was the episode where I was like, I was, li- you could hear it in my voice. I was like giddy to talk about it because it was finally something <laughs> that was like, she was front and center showing that JLD talent of like, not only yeah. just acting so well verbally, but like she got to show what she could do with her body. So to me, that was a really fun episode to cover. I love it. Yeah, that's such a great episode. Um, she's kind of more like the C yeah. story of that yeah. episode. But I think she makes that part yeah. memorable. In all of the like compilation shows, you would always get that clip of Elaine <laughs> doing this, yes. this Stella thing. And it's like, and and one of the things that I also love about JLD, she talks about in an interview, she talked about how, like being a woman in comedy, there's also the pressure to still be pretty and look good. And, you know, it's not like, and that's certainly yeah. not the standard for men in comedy at all. So she talked about that in, in an interview and it like stuck with me. It was like this, like, it was like one of those moments in my life where I was like, holy shit, I'm not going to, I'm not going to forget this statement. And it was basically her, the gist of what she said was like, Look, if you're if you're a woman in comedy, you have to sacrifice looking pretty to get the laugh. And that's not to say like like you can't be you can't be in your head about how you look while you're doing comedy. And that's the only true way you're gonna yeah. get the, get the comedy. Don't worry about your face. Don't worry about like what you know. She's like, it still can be. Yeah, it's embarrassing. Like she she actually cited doing the Elaine dance in Seinfeld. She was like, I can't watch it. I can't watch <laughs> it. I, I I cringe when I watch it because I just I'm I just look so ridiculous. But I wouldn't change. It's but I so wouldn't, brilliant. Yeah. She's though. Like, I wouldn't change a thing about it because it worked. So sometimes you have to sacrifice right. being the pretty one so that you can be the funny one. And she's like, and to me, that's like a that's a trade off. That's like I don't even have to think twice about it. And that's kind of how I approach my thing. Like I I will make every face. I don't give a shit. Like I I'll I'll make a fool of myself, fool out of myself. Because to me, I'm like fuck that. I'd rather be funny right. than pretty. Like, yeah, I just, like, it's just, but like when I, I read that, I remember reading it. It was like probably over 20 years ago now, some interview she did in a magazine. And oh, I just thought that was so brilliant and, and really freeing, I think, for so many women who probably were told like, oh, okay, we love that you're funny, but um, let's make sure your hair looks good. Right, let's make like, sure you're, you've got a padded bra on yeah. or whatever the fuck it is. You know, it's like, it's just, you can't just allow right. a woman to be funny. Or even like, don't do that with Totally. Your face. totally yeah or just like that does say something about like beauty that beauty is more constrained yeah, yeah. well and right. that comedy is the opposite comedy is like everything yeah. laid bare yeah. like again I, with men like how many times have you seen a man just like he's just known for being funny he's lauded for being funny and we don't give a second thought like will will ferrell being <laughs> yes. naked or yes. half naked and just kind of like flabby yeah. dad bond Do you everything around? everyone's like, like but will so let's get you in a better shape like no yeah. <laughs> it's better if you're not yeah no yeah they probably tell him like have a couple extra milkshakes and just get just yeah. like, get a little puffy just like a little puffy like heartbreaking things about I read about Chris Farley, like after his death was he knew he could never not be fat. That was the shtick of his, you know, but, but even though people were like people close to him, knew, yeah. like, he's a very talented actor. Like he's got so much more to him, but he's played up this part of who he is because that that also like he, he loved making people laugh. He knew it was funny to have the fat guy do these things, but also 
it traps you a little bit. And he was sort of like, well, can I break out of that? And that was one of like the things he many things he struggled with, like privately. So not to say that men don't struggle with, with things like that, too. But I just think with women, it's just it's right. Like Tina Fey's talked about it, too. It's like in her her episode with Jerry and comedians and cars getting coffee, you know, he he brings it up. He's just like, you know, I just imagine you guys always have to, you have that extra element, like you, you're, well, you you know, we know you're funny and we want you to keep being funny, but hey, are you gonna be on the best dress list or whatever? And she was just like, yeah, she acknowledges it. I think she's very humble, but she's also like, yeah, I mean, it is like we do, it's, it's part of the gig and it, it is bullshit. Right. Um, but she goes, but there are also people who like work in mine shafts, so I'm not going to complain, <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> 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 I loved that perspective because it's like, well, yeah, I mean, it is, it is, it is totally a double standard, but at the same time, like, yeah. you got to, you got to pick your, pick the things you're going to get super pissed about. But again, I think things are like, things are changing. They're, we're, things are changing broader. Yeah. What we're, you know, women are allowed to do. <laughs> right. Women can be more messy. Right. You can show like women being gross or doing, you know, quote unquote yeah. gross without things. Without that being like, the butt of the joke. Without just showing them as yeah. they are, showing them as a fully formed person versus like, okay, well, they have to be the hot one always. They have to be the uh, killjoy always or whatever that may be. So, yeah. Right. Yeah. And yeah, I think Elaine and Julia Louis-Dreyfus have done a lot to break down that expectation that a woman's always going to be either either she's beautiful or the joke is that like she's really plain and she's kind of right. a killjoy that a woman can't well, have multiple exactly. facets. And I think that's the key to it, right? There, there are more things to us. Let's make sure that we show all sides. And sometimes some of the sides aren't pretty. And I'm not saying physically pretty. I'm just saying, yeah, sometimes we have times where we try and convert a gay guy and we're not proud of it or <laughs> we're trying to like, you know, there we all yeah. are fallible, right? And so I think I think that was another thing with the Elaine character. We we see her fail. And and something I bring up in the podcast is like she it's like this e equitable environment of be humiliated. And it's not just the guys that are like, she gets humiliated too. And it's like, good, like, good. I'm glad that they show that she does. You know, she she's sometimes the one that makes the mistake or like overreacts to something or, or, you know, like she gets the pie in the face sometimes too. And she, as she should, and let's not put her on a pedestal because she's the female. That's bullshit. We don't want either. Yeah. And right. She never was. And the character never was. And the way she portrayed Elaine never, never was that sort of like, I'm right. above this or. Yeah. No, no, no. In fact, I mean, she's brought down to earth quite a bit. I love the episode where she's dating the doctor. It's Bob Odenkirk, which is awesome. She's dating. Yeah. That is awesome. And that um, she gets dumped at the end. Like, well, wait, what about everything? I helped you. He's like, well, the dream right. is when you become a doctor, you dump whoever you're with. Like, it's so fun. It's so fun. And she's just like, hey. Oh, God, that's a great. I, we're going to go on and on about every episode. But like, God, she becomes dumber because she's not having sex. Like, God, that's some set some of the yes. best oh, that's ever. <laughs> it's so funny. Oh, it's so good. And she's so good. Thank you so much for talking about Elaine with me and nerding out about television. I'd love to nerd oh out gosh. about television. This, is, this has been awesome. I can't even believe the time. Like it just flew by. This was so much fun. <laughs> I know it just flew by. So thank you so much. Yeah. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to our, our whole conversation. <laughs> thank you. Yeah, it was so great. Thank you so much. I will link to Shivani's podcast in the show notes so you can take a listen. It's a great podcast. You should check it out. And we'll see you next time. <laughs>